I invite you to stand as we come to the reading of God's holy and perfect word once more. We turn to our sermon text this morning from 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20 as we uh, start at verse 20 through 24. As we continue to see the work of the Lord in the, in the kingship of Jehoshaphat. Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 beginning at verse 20. Hear the word of the Lord. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah. And they were defeated. The people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, God, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would apply these words unto our hearts, and to God, that we might live lives of thanksgiving for your grace. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of the most uh, exciting things that can happen in your life is when you are preparing to do a project you know, you've made all the plans, you've, you've, you've gotten all the materials together, you've done everything that you can, and you get up early in the morning, and you go, and to your great astonishment, the project's already done. It's a wonderful thing, is it not, to, to, to see a project already completed, and you didn't even have to break a sweat to get it done. Now, I don't know about you, but that's about as perfect a day as I can imagine. You know, the, the idea that something that I had wanted done and desired to have done was already done for me. And as you look at this passage this morning, you think about what must have been going through the minds of the people of Judah as they stood and looked down in the valley and saw... Hundreds of thousands of dead Ammonites, Mount Seirites, and Moabites. Because remember, what had they been doing the whole way going up to this valley? They had been psyching themselves up. They had been preparing themselves for battle. They had been preparing themselves to fight a nasty, bloody engagement. And here they come to the valley and the work is done. The victory has been accomplished. There's nothing for them 
to do. But of course, think about what we've heard in these four verses. You think about what they have been doing in psyching themselves up for the battle. You know, it, it would be wrong to say that they have been doing nothing. What we see is going on in these four verses. We see the people of God engaged in singing before the Lord. We see the people of God praising the name of God. We see the people of God engaged in shouting the glory of Jehovah unto all who would listen. Anyone within uh, earshot of the people of Judah would have heard the, the, the refrain of the song. Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And of course, think about what's being said here. What's being said here is they are testifying to what the prophet had just got done telling them. You remember back earlier in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, after Jahazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph had come and spoken to the assembly. Remember what he had told them. He told them, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You know, this is what the prophet had told them. That they had nothing to worry about. That the Lord God had the battle in His hands. That everything was under His command and there was no reason for them to be afraid of the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the men of Mount Seir. The Lord was going to take care of it. And again, the refrain there, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever, again testifies to the fact that they believe what the prophet has said. Again, notice what it says there. The first part of that refrain is praise the Lord. You, you think about uh, those, uh, those two words, praise and Lord. Now let's look at that second one first. You know, in, in my Bible and in your Bible, well, what does the word Lord say? The Lord is that four-letter uh, capitalized word. And we know in the Old Testament when the word Lord is capitalized uh, that it is referring to Jehovah. It's referring to the covenant God. And what was the promise that the covenant God had made to the Israelites, had made to Abraham, had made to Moses, had made to David? And had repeated through the festivals, the Old Testament ceremonies, over and over again. I am your God, and you are my people. And that's why we see almost every time when this word is brought up, uh, that there is praise brought with it. Because again, this understanding that the Lord our God has made a promise to us, that He will be our God and that we will be His people is the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of who we are as Christians, as believers in the Lord our God. That He has gone before us 
And that He has already accomplished His own victory. You can think about what God had told Abram way back in Genesis 12. As He calls Abram out of the land of Ur, out of the land of Chaldees, He tells him that there is a land for him. That he is to pick up everything that he knows. He's to pick up his entire family, all his possessions. He is to go to this land of Canaan. And it's a land that God tells us that he has already prepared for them. All that Abram has to do is go to the land. Likewise, we know of Moses and of the Israelites. After they had crossed the Red Sea, God tells them of this land that their forefathers had known. And we know that, that, that the spies who go into the land, we know uh, that as Joshua and Caleb go up into the land, what do they see? Of course, they see that land flowing with milk and honey. And why do they see that land flowing with milk and honey? Because God has told them it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And God has told them that He's already gone before them and won the victory over their enemies. And when we, we, we think about uh, this promise and this example that is over and over again shown to us in the Holy Scriptures... Think about something that we read in our Luke passage earlier from chapter 10. You remember how the disciples, as they had returned uh, from the sending out, uh, that they had told Jesus of all the wondrous things they had done. How they had cast out demons. And Jesus affirms their work by saying, I saw Satan fall from the heavens. Remember what he says at the end of that passage in Luke chapter 10. After he has been, after he's gotten done talking to them about these things, he said, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, to hear what you hear and have not heard it. And think about what Jesus is telling the disciples there. Again, this is what uh, is going uh, through the mind of the people of Judah as they are proclaiming uh, the mercy of the Lord and the praise of the Lord our God. That they have seen the hand of the Lord. They have seen the power of God. They have seen the very hand of the Lord accomplishing what He promised would be done. And brothers and sisters in Christ, as we think about how this impacts our faith, again, think about the great victory that we sing about and that we praise the Lord about. Our primary thought is not about the Ammonites, uh, the Syrites, and the Moabites. Again, our primary thought when we think of the victory that has been already accomplished is the victory that Christ has won at the cross over sin. The victory that Christ has won over death itself. The victory that Christ has won over the sin of Adam our father. And one of the things that the Scriptures teach us about the nature of this victory is that, what does Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Right? And a lot of times we, we, we hear that and we hear it and we say, well, of course it's finished, but there's still something I got to do, right? 
You know, there's got to be a catch somewhere in this presentation. Sometimes we, we treat the gospel almost uh, uh, like a, uh, you know, when you, you go to the beach and you, you sit through one of these presentations for a, uh, for a, for a, you know, a home share thing. Right, and you're waiting. You're waiting for the the catch. You know, well, what, what, what what's going to happen, right? And we, we do that too. When we go buy vehicles, right? We we keep waiting for the the salesman to to tell us something, and and sure enough, it always comes, right? There's something that that has to be done in order for me to get this wonderful deal. And we often treat the gospel in that way. But again, remember what's going on in this passage. The people are praising the name of God. They are singing, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And remember, they're singing this before they actually get to the valley. They already know that God has won the victory. That's why they can praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And you think of that word mercy again. How do we understand mercy? Again, mercy is that, that, that favor that God shows to people that we don't deserve. Right? God, in every way, should have wiped the people of Judah off the face of the earth about 100,000 times. I mean, you go back and you read of the kingship of Jehoshaphat's father Asa. Right? And you hear of the kingship of Jehoshaphat's uh, uh, son, Jehoram. And you read of the wickedness of the kings. How many times would have God been purely just in casting Judah out to the four winds like He had done with the ten tribes of the north? But God had mercy upon Judah. And the people who are singing to the Lord as they go on to this battle know that mercy. They understand that God is the one who has won the victory. They know that God is the one who has gone before them. That they are going to receive all the benefits of that glory. And that's something we'll look at next week as the people of Judah actually come upon the battlefield. Again, think this morning once more about the nature of this, uh, this praise that is, that is happening in the midst of uh, their walking towards the victory. Now the particular psalm again that they are singing in the, this passage comes to us from Psalm 107. You know, these are kind of the opening words of that psalm. Now you think about uh, the nature of psalm singing itself. Of course, we value the singing of the psalms. We value the singing of the psalms because these are the words that Christ has given to us to sing. Right? That's what the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians teach us, right? That we are to have the word of Christ dwell within us richly in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Right? The psalms are a blessing unto God's people. And why are they a blessing unto God's people? Because again, these are the words that God has given to us to sing. And it's a blessing when you consider that. Again, the praise of the Lord our God again is given to us throughout the 150 Psalms. 
You think about, again, this this testimony of praising the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Again, think about what Psalm 107 has within itself. Again, Psalm 107 is a testimony coming to us from the hand of God's people of the ways that God has provided for them from generation to generation. Now, Psalm 107 is 43 verses long. And one of the important things about Psalm 107 is that it's the beginning of the fifth book of the Psalter. And as uh, the psalm opens, again it says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And think about the nature of the gospel message there. Again, who are we? We are those who have been gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and of the south. Again, we have been gathered out of darkness. We've been gathered out of sin. We've been gathered out of rebellion against the Lord our God. And what is our response to these things? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Brothers and sisters, if we confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we believe that God is our Savior, then how else can we approach the trials of this life but with the praise of the name of the Lord our God on our lips? Because what do we know about the trials that we face? First of all, we know that they're not a surprise to God. God is never taken by surprise. God is never one who is amazed at what happens. That's something that we say with our lips a lot. We we say with our lips a lot, well, God's got this, right? Or or God's in control. Or God's uh, the one who's going to handle this. But do we believe that? Do we live as those who believe that the Lord our God has all things in His hands? Again, that's one of the things that we're meant to bring out of this passage in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Again, these Judahites are marching on the way to battle, singing of the mercy of the Lord. They know that God has this. And how do they know that God has this? Remember again uh, what it says uh, in this passage. And so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah! And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Again, think about what Josephat's saying there to the people. Believe the Lord your God and you shall be established. Now, where in the world did, did the people get the idea that they should believe in the Lord God? Well, again, Josephat tells them, right? Believe His prophets. Well, think about what the Psalms are. Right? The Psalms are a testimony of the works of the Lord. And they are a testimony of how God's people have praised the name of the Lord from generation to generation. 
They are a testimony of how God has established His people, have founded His people, have brought His people through all numbers of trials. When you think of so many of the Psalms which begin with, uh, with David crying out to the Lord, You think of the Psalms like Psalm 13, which begins with David doubting that God even hears him. But what does David do at the end of Psalm 13? At the end of Psalm 13, we hear David praise in the name of the Lord because he has won the victory. Because he has brought David through this awful and evil time. And of course, you think of some of the things that went on in the life of David. You think of a man who not only was one who had others bring trials upon him, but mostly we know David as a man who brought trouble on himself. We know David of a man who committed gross idolatry and adultery and murder. We know David as a man who held a census. And you know, sometimes we read that portion of the Bible and we see David getting in trouble for holding a census and we think, well, what's the big deal, right? Uh, you know, a king has to know how many people there are in a nation, right? You know, one of the things that I did this weekend was fill out my little census card. And now, you know, I'm a little crazy, but you know, I just tell the government how many people live in my house. They don't need to know all that other stuff, right? That's the only thing Article 1 allows them to do, but that's, that's a whole other thing. But when we think about the census that David gives, what's the problem? The problem is, is that he did not trust in the hand of the Lord. He did not trust that God had provided everything that he needed. And that's an amazing thing to consider for David, because, goodness gracious, David, look back into your past. David had been saved from the hands of a a bear. He'd been saved from the hands of other animals. He'd been saved from the hand of Saul. He'd been saved from the hand of his own flesh and blood, his own son. But here he is at the end of his life doubting the sufficiency of the kingdom that God had provided for him. But how does David respond to this? When God comes to him, he says, well, here's three options, David. Right? You can do these, these three things can happen. And of course, we know that David uh, chooses the one, and he chooses the one that does the most damage to himself. And when we think about that, and what we need to learn from that, is it shows us something about how David understands the victory that's already been won by the Lord our God. And David understands that when he sins before the Lord, what is necessary for him to do? What's necessary for him to do is not continue in his sin, right? It's not to continue in some kind of false understanding of who he is. But it's precisely in knowing who he is that he comes before the Lord God, repents before him, and he receives the Lord's mercy. He receives the forgiveness of his sin. He receives the knowledge that God is His God and that He belongs unto Him. And that's why it's so important, again, as we, we, we think about what uh, the, uh, is, the Judites are doing as they're singing unto the Lord, right? They're singing with knowledge of who God is. And they're singing with assurance of who God is. 
Now again, at the beginning, I, I had mentioned you know, that you know, people would have heard them singing. You know, when we think about the praise we offer unto the Lord, right? you know, one, of, uh, one of my favorite psalms when it comes to singing, of course, as it is for many of you, is that what do we offer up unto the Lord? Right? A joyful noise. Right? And we say that because, you know, I don't know about you, but I can't sing worth anything, right? What's that old, old saying, right? I can't even carry a tune in a bucket, right? The only instrument I can play is the radio, right? We, we think about you know, that thing, but what, what is it about that joyful noise that we're supposed to pay attention to? The idea is that the praise that we offer up to the Lord is filled with the joy in our hearts, right? Where is that joy? Down in our hearts, right? Where is that joy? It's in our hearts. And why is it in our hearts? Because remember back to something that Moses wrote about in Deuteronomy 30 there that we read at the beginning of worship. Right? What has happened to us? Moses promises that our hearts will be circumcised. And you think about the language there. What is circumcision? Circumcision was the outward act placed upon the male child eight days after they were born. Uh, where they were marked out as belonging to the kingdom of Israel. That they were God's chosen people. And you think about that action of being circumcised in the heart. Well again, that's not something you can do. Right? You can't circumcise a heart. And what's Moses talking about? What he's talking about there is the fact that your heart, right, which has been changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, has been circumcised by the Lord, it has been noted, it has been changed, it has been owned by the Lord God. Right? He has placed His name upon you and has changed you into this new creature. Right? He's given you this new life in His Son to the power of the victory at the cross. And can we think about the nature of this work, again, this joyful noise... Well, again, joy is not a kind of uh, an empty emotion. Right? Joy is the fullness of, uh, of what we love. Right? Joy is the expression of the, the, the giant thanksgiving that's within our hearts. Right? Joy is an expression of knowledge, an expression of desire, uh, an expression of the number one thing in our lives. When we think about the singing that we do on the Lord's Day, again, are we making a joyful noise unto the Lord? Again, are we singing the words that God's given to us with that joy, that knowledge that we are praising the name of our God? The God who has redeemed us from sin. The God who has purchased us through the death of His Son. The God who has placed our name in the book of life from before the foundation of the world. This God who has ordained all things for His glory. This God who has ordained our very lives. And is this how we are singing unto the Lord? Or are we just kind of singing because we have to? Or are we just kind of standing there while everyone else sings? And this is the nature of what we see out of the people of Judah as they march into battle. They know that God has won. Because they know what the prophet has told them. And they know that God has won because God has always won in the past. And what's one of the things we believe about our God? 
That He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God won the victory over the Egyptians, He's going to win the victory over these Ammonites. Because who are the Ammonites in comparison to Pharaoh? Right? Who is uh, the, the, these people of Mount Seir in comparison to the armies of Assyria? You know, this is kind of like, you know, as I know many of y'all uh, like the, the Clemson Tiger folks, right? This is like God winning a victory over Alabama and then worrying yourselves over the University of Pittsburgh, right? It, it's not that big a deal, right, to be Pitt. It's a big thing to beat Alabama, right? Well, think about the, the, the nature of this work, right? God has won the victory over things much greater than Ammon. So why should the people of God be worried about this battle that God has promised that, they, well, that He will win? Well, again, this is important for us as we consider the nature of the battles that we face each and every day. Right? What has God won the victory over? Right? God has won the victory over hell itself. Right? God has won the victory over Satan, the victory over all of the enemies of darkness. Why do we fear the things of this world? When we consider what God's already done for us. When we consider what the prophets have, have promised God will do. What God has done. And what God has always done for His covenant people. And this is why the believer is not to fear. Right? Because what, what is these battles in comparison to the battle He's already won? Right? And you think at the, at the end of this, it, it kind of uh, ends with a whimper, you know, this battle. As we hear here that, that God had set up ambushes against the people of Ammon. Again, notice when the ambushes happen. Right? The ambushes happen as the people of God are singing unto the Lord. Right? In fact, there, there's a sense here that God is, in, in one sense, reacting to the singing of His people. Right? As they begin to sing, what happens? The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who would come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. When they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. And we, we think about what's happening here. Right? You think of the mercy of God that He has shown to the people of Judah. Well, what has He done to the people of Mount Seir, Ammon, and Moab? Right? He has removed His mercy from them. Right? That's one of the things that God often does is He allows sinners to destroy themselves. And why does He allow sinners to destroy themselves? What does it tell us in Romans chapter 1? Right? He gave them over to their passions. And why did He give them over to their passions? Because they lusted after the things of the world rather than the things of God. And after they had apostatized, God removed His mercy and they destroyed themselves. Right? And this is what happens here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. God removes His mercy and the avarice, the, the lust of the flesh, uh, uh, the, the, the anger wells up within them. They look down, they see, well, these Seerites are smaller than us. Let's take them out. Right? And they go and do that. And then after they're done destroying Mount Seir, what happens? The Ammonites and the Moabites look at each other and say, well, one of us has to win. Let's destroy uh, the other. And then they end up killing everybody. 
Right? And they end up wiping themselves out. And here, the people of Judah come and see uh, the, the end. Right? They see the victory as it has been won. And what have they been doing this whole time? They have been praising the name of God. They've been praising the work of God. They've been praising the victory. They've been praising everything that God has done. And this is the attitude of the believer. Right? That we are worshiping the Lord God each and every Lord's Day. Knowing that the Lord our God is winning the victory, has won the victory, and will always win the victory. As we close this morning, we we go back to the words Jehoshaphat uh, preached unto the people. Again, hear him once more. Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. Right? Trust in Him. Know that He has these things in His hand. Know that He's won the victory. Know that He is the God over all things. Believe in the Lord. And you shall be established. Believe His prophets and you shall prosper. And the, the, the testimony here is clear. Right? Do you believe in the Lord your God? Do you believe in the promises that He has made? Do you believe in the victory that He has won? Is it real for you? Is it just something you say with your lips to to, to kind of get people to leave you alone? Or is it something that you hold dear in your heart? Is it the source of your joy when you praise the Lord? That you believe in this Lord who has died for your sins. This Lord who has given you new life in Him. This Lord who has promised you a place in heaven. And is this the Lord that you praise? That you cry out unto the heavens and that you tell all the world, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. And is this your faith? Is this who you are? The Scriptures tell us that this is who those who rest and trust in Christ are. That their praise is in the Lord God, who has gone before them, who has won the victory at the cross. And He has called unto us to receive that grace. Right? That grace that comes through faith alone. That grace which is given to us, not by the works of the flesh, but by the work of the Spirit. And let us go forth in this place resting in who God is what God has done, and what God shall do for His people. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks that You are the God over all things.